Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. You are listening to episode number 39 of the Love in a Cottage podcast. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Today is episode number 39 with my guest, Lindsay Roman. And today in our conversation, Lindsay is going to be sharing all about the moves that her family has experienced from moving to Hawaii and then moving from Hawaii back to Kansas and just what that transition was like for them and how they made those decisions. Lindsay's also going to be sharing a bit about her motherhood journey. We get a birth story at the end, hearing about her VBAC with her youngest daughter, Annalise, and she also shares about how business, she's a business owner, um, just kind of what that's looked like for her as a mother, how she's set boundaries and also how her motherhood impacts her business. And so it is such a fun conversation. I am so excited for you guys to listen to it. As always, if this show has been impactful in any way, if you could please take a second to leave a rating and a review with a comment on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, that would be so meaningful and so, so helpful. And actually, I was wondering if you guys ever have any like sound clips that you find particularly meaningful or interesting, would you guys just be willing to screen record the specific like soundbite? And send that to me on Instagram because I'm trying to get more into reels and I love sharing different like clips from episodes and I feel like it can be so powerful and a cool way like through the algorithm for other people to find the show and to be encouraged, understood, inspired, and honestly maybe even find the Lord. So if you guys want to screen record your favorite little bits like a minute long or less and send those to me via Instagram, I would absolutely Love that. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Lindsay. Lindsay, welcome to the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm so stoked to be talking with you this morning. I am so excited to be here. It is just such a joy to sit down with you, Paige. I am ready to jam. (laughs) So we got connected, I guess, like I said, through listening to your show and I am not a photographer. I don't really remember how exactly I found your account, but I just know that so much of what you share about motherhood and business and ultimately like your relationship with the Lord has resonated with me. Um, I also had a bit of a like, I don't know. I think initially it was a rebellious streak. I don't think that's what it was in its entirety, but I like moved to California for college. I was like, I'm going to be different and get away. (laughs) And now I'm living in Kansas and I'm like, Lord, what is happening to my life? But oh my gosh, I resonate with that so much. We'll probably get into it though. But yes, yes. yes. So all that to say, we got connected because I follow your content and love all that you share. But for those of our listeners who I guess haven't gotten connected with you before or don't know um, who you are, could you just share like who you are, what you do and where you live? Awesome. Well, I my name is Lindsay Roman. I am a wife and mama. We live in Kansas, um, and I have two little girls rocking the girl mom life. Uh, Eloise is about almost three, and Annalise is a little over six months old. So that's where we're rocking. And then for work, I started as a wedding photographer. That's kind of where I started my whole entrepreneurship journey. However, I did go to college for theater and film. So I'm just all over the place. But um, I started in wedding photography. And as that kind of grew, I decided to start photography workshops with another photographer, best friend of mine. Um, And that eventually blossomed into what is now known as the Heart University. It is an education company that we run. We host business events for creative business owners. We also have an online shop, online courses, and a podcast, which Paige, you just so kindly talked about on this this podcast um, called called the Heart and Hustle Podcast. So that's kind of what I do now, just rock in the full-time mom and entrepreneur CEO life. Amazing. I love that. Thank you for giving that us that like overview of what you do. And I just love even hearing like, even in that little intro that you gave, like the evolution of 
what you do and how that's been able to change in your life stages and as the Lord's like spoken different things to your heart. And I know we'll be getting into that here a little bit more, but um, I just want to backtrack a bit. So like I said, I know you are a Kansas girl, but we're just kind of going to walk this like timeline of Lindsay's Ah. life. Okay. So I know you guys were in Hawaii for how many years? Almost four years. Okay. Wow. So what I guess led you guys to move there? I feel like that's a dream that a lot of people say like, I would love to move to Hawaii someday, but what were the actual steps that led you guys to be there? Absolutely. Well, it's funny because when we got married, um, when, yeah, when me and my husband got married and we were looking at like honeymoon spots, uh, we wanted some place that was all inclusive. And ironically, Hawaii obviously is like a dream honeymoon spot, but it doesn't do all inclusive. Like the hotels there just don't do that. Like you have to pay for everything. Um, and so we were like, oh, that would be a dream. And so we chose like the Dominican Republic, right? Um, cut to like three years later when we're actually, so what actually moved us to Hawaii is my husband joined the Coast Guard and that was the first like duty station that we got stationed in. So it, it wasn't like an active choice. Um, it was more so. No way. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was more so like that was, well, I just remember he was in a school, which is kind of like the advanced training after boot camp in the Coast Guard. That's what they call it. Anybody that is also has a husband's or, or whatever in the Coast Guard, you'll know. But, um, when he was graduating A school, they have like a list of 10 places that you can choose and you have to rank all 10 places. Well, it's places and jobs for him. But for me, it was just like a place. That's what I cared about most. Um, and we were ranking them one to 10. And and obviously there's like, or there's like 10, maybe there's as many places as there are people in his classroom, right? So every okay. single person in his classroom is ranking them one to 10. So like if five people put Hawaii as their number one spot, then only one person's going to get it. Right. And so like then you might get your you might get your second choice spot or you might get your third choice spot. So ironically, I remember there were two Hawaii spots, like two jobs in Hawaii, but our actual first pick was Astoria, Oregon, which is like the top left corner of Oregon. And in my brain, I was just ramping up my photography business and I wanted out of Kansas and I saw all these like movie photographers. Yes, literally that. And I was like, Andrew, I could market to Seattle and Portland. I was like (laughs) Just And so we put Portland, or not Portland, but Oregon as our first pick. And then our number two and number three spots were Hawaii. And I think we got our second spot. And so it's just like such a God thing that he took us to Hawaii. And yeah, we were there for three or four, almost four years. And then maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but well, I'll just, I'll leave it there until we can jam on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's just like, I don't know. Our family's in such... Um, we're in the thick of lots of transition. I feel like we have been for like three years, but we're like, Lord, what are you doing with our lives and our jobs and all kinds of things? And I have to keep reminding myself, like, I just think testimonies are so powerful, like yours, like you thought you knew exactly what you wanted. And I don't know if, um, I guess this resonates, but based on, um, kind of your personality that I've like gotten to know through the internet and stories that you shared. Like I tend to think I'm a very like driven person who like knows what I want and am passionate. And it's easy for me to think that like, oh, well, God just must like want what I want because I know what I want so well. And then he's like, actually, I know what you need or what you really want. And it's just amazing when he like I don't know, shows up and does something totally different because it's like only the Lord can do that, you know? Right. Well, I just like picture the fact that like we couldn't afford to go there on our honeymoon and and yet then God like moved us there, like just out of the blue. And, and that right. wasn't even our first pick. It wasn't like you would think that would have been our first top pick, but we were like, oh, we, can, we couldn't live in an island in the middle of the ocean. I mean, we could. We put it as a number two spot, but still like yeah. it's just wild that – like our journey would look a hundred percent different if we would have moved to Oregon. Totally. Yeah. yeah. How old are you and Andrew when you guys got married? Oh Lord. Well, I'm a slight cougar. I am older than Andrew. Um, <laughs> I'm like three years older. I think I was 25 and he was 22. I want to okay. say when we got married. Okay. And now I'm like a good old ripe age of 30. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's I feel like I'm 30 because John is um he's 27, so not quite there. But you know, two kids it it changes you. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It really does. In in the best way. Um uh-huh. 
So, so you guys are in Hawaii for four years and that's when, like you said, your photography business is really like taking off. What was that transition like for you? I guess, like, did you, um, enjoy like the excitement of moving somewhere and it being out of your control? Was that hard for you? Like what was, I guess, building community like for you there? What's funny is like I grew up in Kansas and you know this. This is what you said earlier that I so resonate with of just like escaping, having your rebellious streak and moving to California. Like I wanted the same thing. So when I grew up, I wanted to just escape. I wanted, like I said, I majored in theater. Did I say that? I can't remember if I said that. Um, I majored in theater and film and I just wanted out of Kansas. Um, and I, I even like begrudgingly like went to KU in Kansas because it was cheaper than like going to a school somewhere else. And I just remember always wanting to escape. And so the fact that like we we had that opportunity, it's almost like, whoa, I got what I wanted in that sense. Right. But it was very scary because I mean, not only like moving to another state where you don't know anybody, like that's obviously very scary, but it, it there's something that, that the, just even more so when it's like literally an island in the middle of the, like you have to take a five to six hour flight just to get to another like city, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember when we first got there, I, before we moved, I started like looking on Instagram for other people that lived there, just like other people that were like entrepreneurs or, or influencers or anything like that. I was like, oh, like what are people, I want to know what the vibe is here or whatever. Um, and I, I started looking at places and I, I saw this girl named Sina and we're like best friends now. But back then I was like, oh, she looks cool. She looks like we would get along or whatever. And I saw that she uh, had like tagged a church that she went to. And so like, I think we flew to the island because what, what how we moved was we drove from Kansas to LA and then we flew from LA because that we didn't have to do that. That was just, we're adventurous and we like to road trip. So that's what we did. Um, yeah. And we flew to the islands on a Friday, I think. And that Sunday we were like, well, let's start like, ex we don't even know where we're going to live yet on the island, but like, let's just choose a church, right? To like start exploring and like figuring out. And we could have chose a church like literally anywhere. And again, we didn't know where we were going to live. Like we could have lived like an hour away from the church that we went to, but I had saw that Cena had tagged a specific church and I was like, well, let's just try this one. Like, why not? Um, and it was on the North shore. So we went to that church that first Sunday, that first Sunday, we met a girl named Erica, who is a realtor. Come to find out though, later that like, I, I like admire Erica's gumption. She had like been transitioning out of the military and was just starting her realtor or realty business. And when she was like, I'm a realtor, we were the first house that she like, represented but like get it girl like the fact that you were like hi I'm a realtor and like literally she was just like life-changing the fact that we met her that first Sunday we got plugged into that church and she just like took us all around like she had lived in Hawaii for like I don't know how long, but like 10 plus years and just took us around to all the neighborhoods. And ultimately we ended up buying a house, like not on the North shore, but it basically in the center of the Island, which was only like 15 minutes from that church that we originally went to. So that's how we got plugged in. Like we never went to a different church in Hawaii, like ever. That was it. For Wild. Us. So it was Wild. just so cool that like we got plugged in with Erica to the community. I eventually met Cena in person at the church and then we became besties and we actually lived in the same town, which I had no idea that we would. So it was just so cool how God like when you step out in faith and have just like, I don't know, a, a journey like that, like just, you know, step out and, and see what he does with your life. And then, you know, obviously follow, fo follow the breadcrumbs that he's giving you. Totally. Wow. That's so amazing. I love hearing like, I don't know, I feel like. Um, Instagram, everyone has like a love-hate relationship with it of sorts. But I think it's so cool to hear like how God has worked through Instagram encounters, you know, like how you found this church through Instagram. That's so really right? Well, I mean, even, even Evie, my business partner for The Heart, like we met on Instagram. Like right. almost every single like good best friend that I have now that's an entrepreneur that I didn't have like obviously growing up, I met through Instagram, almost all of them. So wild. That like yeah. reminds me of we moved to London really shortly after, well, like a month after we got married and I studied abroad for a semester at the London College of Fashion. And That's I remember- That's so cool. I studied abroad in, in uh, you, the UK too. In no way. England. What yeah. school were you at? Uh, Kent in Canterbury. Okay. Oh my gosh. So isn't that- Yours sounds like, cooler because it's like fashion, but- <laughs> No, I was going to say yours sounds cool because it's like- is that like the country? I should know. I well, I, think I know what I'm talking. It's about. like the town that uh, the Canterbury Tales comes from, which is okay. like a very historical book. But other than that, yeah, 
Yeah, no, that's so cool. Um, I remember John like couldn't get a work visa and he was coming with me though, obviously because we had just gotten married and we were like, well, why don't you like get an internship at a church? And I like looked up the hashtag like London church or something like so random. We emailed 10 different like non-denom churches that we stalked and just said, hey, like we're coming for a few months and John like can't legally work. He would love to intern, whatever. Here are his skills. And one of them emailed back and like that church experience has been like the most transformational. I don't know. That was just such a huge um, moment for us, I guess, as a couple and like really helped us figure out like what we value in a church community and what discipleship looks like and what evangelism looks like and all these things because of a hashtag. So, yeah, so wild. God God is not above Instagram. He can use it too. (laughs) Yes. So you guys are there. It sounds like a dream and like God opened all these doors. Um, Did you see yourself being there long-term? I know, again, the move was like originally tied to the Coast Guard and stuff, but like you're back in Kansas now. And I just want to hear more about that decision-making process, transition. Literally anybody that's listening to this is like, I'm sorry, wait. So you got the chance to move to Hawaii, but now you're doing this podcast from Kansas, meaning that you are back in Kansas. Like, I can just imagine somebody being like, "Who? What? what in the Lord's name would entice somebody to go from like beautiful paradise, Hawaii, back to Kansas? Oh, I'm I would sure love- you get that all the time. Yeah. It's like, right. hi, I just moved here from Hawaii. Well, Hawaii I still have- here. I still have a Hawaii driver's license and every time I like need to use, like if I'm going to order wine at a restaurant, I still get carded because I look like I'm 12. Um, but I'll like give them my ID and they're like, oh, Hawaii. Or, or like when I'm going to rent a car and I'm traveling, they'll be like, oh, Hawaii. Like, where do you live they now have though? To like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. They do. Um, okay. So fast forward to like three years. So we had Eloise in Hawaii and Andrew was still in the Coast Guard. And I will say the Coast Guard is very family friendly especially in comparison to the other branches of the military, right? Like he never got deployed for like nine months, right? Like you don't even technically get deployed in the Coast Guard. It's more like going underway on boats. Um, But it's still his boat. We actually got really lucky with his schedule. But for the most part, whenever he went away for either a school or on a boat, it was usually like three months at a time. And so when you have a child, which if you're a military family, like this is not unusual. Like this is what military families do all the time. And like, God bless our military families out there that deal with this all the time of just like having to raise kids alone or having to just deal with like having a spouse that's not there. It is so hard. Um, and so Andrew, like, I mean, he was there for probably like half of the time of Eloise's, I mean, before, like for her first year, he was probably there for half of the time. Um, and I mean, I was obviously like running a business and also like raising a, you know, a one-year-old. So it was, it was a journey. Um, but as we were just like, living that we kind of like talked about it and we were like just for both of our family or like our priorities we felt like well Andrew felt like his family could not be number one priority when he was in the military like even though like they say yes it's like the nature of the military is like when the military says jump you jump when they say come you come like that's the nature of the job um and so we just kind of made the joint decision together to be like hey my business is taking off. I think we're okay financially if we don't have the Coast Guard as as like, you know, money. Um, and so we made the decision for Andrew to get out of the Coast Guard. And so he did that in the summer or September of 2020. Um, and everyone's like, well, wait, what does he do now? And it's like, he's a stay-at-home dad. He rocks that role so much and he's literally the best at it. But um, that's what kind of made us the decision. And when that happened, we were like, well, okay, we nothing's technically tying us to Hawaii. However, it's still paradise and we want to live here. But uh, I don't know how deep to get into this. Like we basically had two dreams uh, when he got out of the Coast Guard. We had this dream of getting like an Airstream and renovating it and like doing like van life technically with like children. Like, but if you think about that, that kind of needs to happen on the mainland. Like you can't really, you could do that on Oahu, but like you're going to circle the island very quickly. Um, yeah. it's, you don't really do van life on an island. That's not really the vibe. Um, and so we had that dream and we were like, okay, if we want to do that, we need to move back to the mainland. So that's kind of what even originally started having 
our idea of like, oh, we should move back. And the reason why we went specifically back to Kansas is because when you leave the military, they will either like keep you. And this is different, obviously, if you're in for like 20 years and you retire and then they'll move you anywhere in the world that you want to go, I think. But obviously he was only in for like four years. And so we had the choice to either stay where we were or the military would pay to move us back to our home of record when we joined, which was Kansas. So, and and we were like, well, moving off of island would be a lot cheaper, i.e. free if the military pays for it versus if we try to go somewhere else and pay for it ourselves. Right. So that kind of started the conversation of like, well, if we want to do this van life thing, then we need to have the military move us back to Kansas. And then from there, we can like kind of set forth. So that's kind of what originated the thought of moving back to Kansas. Um, ironically, when we did that, God changed our hearts and now we're not doing van life, but like, that's a whole other story, but that's kind of like what actually got us to move back. Cause it, I, I agree. Like it would take like an act of God to like move you actively from like living on the beach to now being in the middle of the plains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I also hear you saying that like that was probably really challenging for Andrew to not have been like you know, around, I guess, all the time during Eloise's first year while you're like juggling your business too. Like, I don't know. I feel like for me, when I got pregnant with our second, um, I kind of just like freaked out. Now I think that the dust has settled. I'm not like, you know, full on regret or full on like I would do things differently, but I am like, whoa, I was almost in like a, a low key panic of like my husband's in grad school. I have a one-year-old and I'm about to have another baby and I need help. Like that was enough to send me back here to which I said I would never go back to. Yep. Yep. No, I feel, well, and I feel like what's ironic is I always wanted to escape Kansas. Like that was always my, and like you could take that metaphor even farther and be like, oh, I wanted like shiny lights and like fame and I wanted to escape the mundane, which is ultimately what I wanted in my life. And then ironically, like I got it right. Like in, in a sense, obviously like I didn't necessarily get like, Oh, I'm like walking red carpets. However, like my Instagram did blow up and like my business is very successful and I moved to paradise. So you could argue that like I got everything I wanted and then yet it still was like, there's something missing. Mm. And like we moved back to where it all began. And I, I think in doing that, what the Lord taught me is that like, you don't have to go somewhere flashy or exciting in order to have purpose or meaning in your life. Um, wow. Like I literally think back, like I'm living now in Kansas and I'm like, we interviewed like Bob Goff and Donald Miller on our podcast. And I'm like mind blown at that. And the fact that like I can sit here living in Kansas and have conversations with people like that, that I've looked up to forever. And it, it's just blows my mind that like, I don't know. Cause I always believed that like nothing cool could happen in Kansas or, or nothing like relevant or, or having meaning in my life could happen unless I was doing something like big and flashy. And it, it's just so not true. It's like God can work wherever. It, you don't have to be in Hawaii. You don't have to be in New York or LA. Like he can work in good old Kansas too. Yes. Oh Lord. My husband's going to listen to this and be like, yes, Paige, listen to Lindsay. Cause I've definitely <laughs> had moments where I'm like, what am I doing here? Why did we move? Like I miss my friends. I miss my grocery stores and my cool coffee shops. Like I can totally just confessing that, like fall into that trap of, yeah. um, I don't know, thinking that where I'm at, like is not good enough and better things and better people are elsewhere, you know, which Absolutely. is just not true and not God's heart. I feel like so. Thank you for so true. sharing that. Um, so I know like a huge part of what you share about on, um, your platforms is just like how, I guess your view of motherhood has changed like since becoming a mom. Obviously, you have like these amazing businesses too that you run. And so I would just kind of love to know like how the Lord has changed your view of um, motherhood. And then also this question is kind of twofold. Like how has becoming a mom changed how you view business? Ooh, okay. Well, this kind of goes perfectly into what we were just talking about of like, I always wanted to escape Kansas for something that was flashier and like more exciting. And it, right along with that same mode of thought was the idea that motherhood like destroyed your dreams or that you couldn't live an exciting like life of travel or having your name in lights or doing important things for the world if you had kids, which is just like 
the most demeaning thing that I could have ever thought. And even like saying it out loud, I'm like, I want to slap younger Lindsay across the freaking face and be like, get it together, woman. No. Um, but that's where I was, especially like just in, in like wanting to escape. Cause I think I looked around at everybody that lived in Kansas and like, it was like, oh, they stayed in the town that they, they grew up in. And for me, that was like the worst thing possible that you could do. Or I would like see like soccer moms and like go. And I just like wanted no part of that. Like I wanted to literally like go to movie premieres and travel to Paris. Like that was just like younger Lindsay's dream. Um, and in my brain, you just couldn't do that if you had children cause they held you back. Um, and I believed that for so way too long, like way, way, way too long. And I remember when we got married, I put an IUD in, which that's a whole other topic of birth control and just like everything. But that at the time, that's what we, that's what we decided. Um, and we were, we were still like, we're like, Hey, God can still make us pregnant if he wants to. Like, that's like, he is sovereign. Um, but he also gives us free will. That's kind of how we reasoned it, but it was still, like, and I don't necessarily, well, health-wise, maybe that's not the best choice. What I'm getting off on a tangent, but, um, <laughs> um, we, we, what was it? It was like three years in and we had always said like, well, maybe in like five years we'll start trying for kids. And I remember when we were in Hawaii, I've already talked about Sina, like how we became really good friends. She had two kids at the time that we met her and was pregnant with the third. Now at the time of this recording, she has like five kids. She is just like a warrior for children. But anyways, um, I, just I love being- following her. Oh, yes. She's amazing. Um, but being around her and just like seeing how she did life, she she mothered in a way that I had never seen before. Um, just it, it was like a whole new way of, of viewing kids. And I really, truly think God used her in our life to just like revolutionize the way that I viewed motherhood and just like children as a whole and seeing how that they are blessings and that they don't completely come into your life and just like uproot your entire home because I think I had the mindset that like the second you have kids, like your house is automatically just destroyed and you have no like choice in the matter of making it look pretty or or like doing what you want. And it's like, no, like kids come into your life and they they enhance it so much, but they also don't completely change your interests. And even if they do, it's still, it's a blessing. But I just, just seeing her like still like go to the North shore and get coffee and cold brew with her, with her girls and, and everything like that. It was just so cool. And we would go over to their house and like play Catan, uh, after their kids were in bed and just like seeing them do life with children, just completely revolutionized how I viewed motherhood. And so while we were there, I remember Andrew, like, I think had it on his heart a little bit before me to be like, Hey, I think we need to take your IED out. I think it's time to like really start trying for kids. And I was like, so stubborn. I fought it so hard because again, I was stuck in that lie as my business was like blowing up in Hawaii, I was like, I I want to make this successful. And if kids come along, it's going to ruin it, which is again, like so much a lie, but I was stuck in that. And I remember like, I was so stubborn. I was like, Andrew, you need to call to make the IUD removal appointment because I will not. I was like, so I was just like, so annoying, like annoying. (laughs) (laughs) And so he did. And I just remember like, it, it was almost like going along with something, but like not in your heart wanting it to happen. Like that's kind of how I was like operating in that moment. Like, fine, I'll do it, but I'm not happy about it. Like that was like the attitude. Um, but God just, I think, still used it in the sense of like, hey, like it, it was just a process of truly learning to release that control I had over my life of like micromanaging everything and saying like, hey, like, no, I truly give my life to you. And I trust God that your will for my life, which can include children is better than my own. Um, and I guess just on this journey of now that I've had kids, I I just like want to go back, not only slap younger Lindsay, but like, that's just joke. like, if there was another girl that I'm talking to, that's not me, I would not slap you. <laughs> but anybody that is feeling that, um, just that, that fear of like releasing your life to the Lord and saying like, God, w- I'm scared to have children because they're going to change me. I just want to speak to that person and say like, they will change you into a 5 million version better of yourself. That didn't make sense, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, Like it it makes you a better, more selfless person. It makes you just, I I view like the way that I view the world is so different. It's so more joyful because I see, I see like the hope and the joy of the Lord in my daughter's eyes. Like I relate to the Lord so much more also because it's like the love that I literally yesterday, I was just like holding on Elise, my six month old. And I started bawling. Cause I was like, I just love you so much. And I got like wrecked because I was like, God views that about me. Like God wants me to come to him 
and like, cause he is crying and loves me so much, just like I love her. And I was like wrecked. I don't know. Just like when you have kids, you have a whole other experience to with, with which to like connect you to Jesus. I'm rambling now, but yes. like it is, it is the best thing I've ever experienced. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know that's going to speak to so many of our listeners. I know like, I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten from people who maybe like felt convicted to like not go on birth control, but then were still like shocked when they got pregnant three months into marriage or maybe like they were on birth control and they're like, what? Ah, how am I pregnant right now? And just like- I know I know so many friends that have had condom babies. And I'm like, well, the Lord is magical. <laughs> like, I know, just like feeling- so shocked when it happens, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And I just know that that is going to speak to so many people. And it's so funny because I think I had a lot of these like thoughts and feelings weirdly like after having kids. Like I was like, oh yeah, I want to be a young mom. Like I'm 22, almost 23. And having kids is like no big deal. I mean, I didn't, I don't know that I thought that, but I definitely didn't think it would be that hard. Um, and right. then- Afterwards, I feel like I went through this. Um, I just didn't realize what a like sacrifice it would be. And already, I mean, I feel like it's been this weird journey of I was like the good girl Christian my whole life and like didn't recognize any like sin really. I mean, this is terrible to admit. I was like, I didn't have sex before I was married. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. So I'm basically perfect. Um, and it's just so ugly to say out loud. And then right. I feel like I got married and um, God started to like show me some of that. But really when I became a mom, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, like God is so good and he loves me so much and I am the worst. Like why am I getting annoyed with my baby because she's literally just wants to like be held by me and I'm so selfish and you know, there's so much there not to say oh, that. That's so good. You know, I, I'd resonate so much with everything that you're saying. Yeah, so I feel like it's been I I jumped in and then I was like, whoa, I am wrecked by God's love and grace um, with parenting. So I just, yeah, appreciate all that you shared about. Well, thank you. It's, it's literally, I just, it's the coolest thing in the world and it stretches you so much, but it's like, I would never want to go back. And ironically, I think if I would have actually got the life that like 15 year old, you know, 18 year old Lindsay wanted, I don't think I'd be happy. Like, yeah. I'd be like alone, probably like no, I mean, maybe I'd be married. Maybe I wouldn't. No children. I'd be like, I don't know. The more that I like talk to people who like actually had or have what like, like I wanted, whether it was fame, whether it was like acting or anything like that. Um, I always like hear like it is meaningless. It is absolutely meaningless. And the more that I've been just like gone, got older and just gleaned wisdom from life, I just realized like everything that I used to disdain almost like as a kid of just like, oh, suburbia or, or like families with soccer mom. I'm like, that's like where Jesus works. Not that he can't work at it. He works everywhere. But I think it's just so beautiful that like, I now almost crave what I used to like not want. Yes. Yes. And it is so humbling to be like, yes. oh man, I maybe didn't know everything about this. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Literally. That is so good. And I feel like it's so cool to watch your spouse to like step into that role. Um, I don't know. I've just loved watching John be a dad and that's like a whole new level of depth and relationship with the Lord as well, which I love. So kind of, I guess I want to hear your thoughts too, because you started your business and like had this thriving business before becoming a mom. Um, so do you feel like yeah, how has your view of your business and boundaries and hustle and social media and like all of these things changed obviously since having babies? Before I had kids, I would work like 16-hour days. And I will say like it was also in the in the season where my business was blowing up, and I I do believe that there are seasons of hustle and seasons of like rest, right? Like when you are building a business, there it, it, it's hard to build a business truly and have it gain traction if you're working like four hour days. Um, but you know, that that's not to say it'll just maybe take longer, but I was really in a season where like I was shooting so much 
wedding, like I was doing weddings. I was doing like, it was truly blowing up. Not to say that 16 hour days are healthy, but that's where I was. And so when I had Eloise, I was like, oh, which I mean, even before wasn't fair to Andrew to be working 16 hour days. But I think having a baby made me realize, oh, wait, okay, family's important. I need to reevaluate what I'm doing here. And so I think what it did is made me be a lot more strict on boundaries. Um, It made me, I think, be a better business owner even because I I started, instead of just like aimlessly working for 16 hours and being like, oh, what am I going to do now? Okay, let's go. Because like, if you're owning, owning, owning your own business, there's always work to be done. You could always find something else to do, always. And so what I started doing is just becoming a lot more diligent with my productivity, actually like planning my weeks out, actually like figuring out what the bottom line thing that needs to get done today is to actually move the needle in my business to get it like, you know, chut, chut, trudging. Is that a word? Trudging forth? Whatever. I think so. Um, yes. Trudging something like that. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I was trying to say. Um, but I, I started getting more diligent with that. And then I started making very strict times, uh, like start and stop. So like I operate my business now pretty much just like, like a nine to five job. Like I, I have a start time, I have a stop time. And then the part that gets tricky is especially with what I do. And if anybody is like in influencer space, or if anybody has just an online business where you use social media to market your business, that's where it gets so tricky, especially if you're doing a personal brand where like an aspect and an element of marketing your business is sharing your own personal life because then it gets tricky because it's like, well, I could have clear boundaries on social media and personal life where it's like just viewing social media for work and then I shut it off completely and go like be with my family. But where does that line get drawn when my business technically does better when I like story and show my family, you know? So it's like that line gets so blurry. So I've I've had to just navigate that and I'm still navigating that. But something that truly helps is um, putting like phone blockers or on an iPhone, you can do this, but basically having like app, like screen time limits. So at, I think 8 PM at night to 8 AM, um, all of the apps that are like distracting. So like literally everything on my phone, except like texting, Google maps, and like, I don't know, like what, like the phone call, like whatever, like the thing, only the things that you absolutely need, um, shut off and I can't use them. But if you're on an iPhone, you'll actually notice that like if you do that, then you just click an app and it'll like pop up with a thing that's like, oh, would you like it for a minute or 15 minutes? And like when I did it at first, I would always just click the 15 minutes and then it would just go right back to like it wasn't even blocked in the first place. So then what me and Andrew did was you can actually set up a code that you have to put in to even like get access to the 15 minutes or an hour or whatever. And he made the code for me and he doesn't, he's very good and he doesn't give me the code. So then if I ever want to go like just dig around on my phone. God bless our husband. I know. <laughs> at like 9 p.m. I can't. Like if I use like the one minute that get, gives you for free, then I try to go to the 15 minute or like an hour. It'll make me put in a code and he's not going to do it because he's great. And so that really helps me also. <laughs> that is so good. I think that is so helpful and just important to – hear and talk about with other moms like continually um moms business owners alike like it is so important and so worthy to set those boundaries and I think even the code hack is super cool too because I didn't realize that you could do that I recently transitioned to what's called a light phone I don't know if you've heard of it it's a dumb phone basically Wait, is it like a flip phone? Um, It's not a flip. It's like more aesthetic than a flip phone. Okay. It doesn't have the T9 texting, but um, it's – I can't read you right now. Uh, It just has like texting, calling. Uh, It does have directions, but you have to have data for it to like update in real time. So I basically just read through the directions like three times and I'm like, okay, I hope I can do this. That's Um, amazing. That's amazing that you have that though. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's been so helpful because I was just like ignoring limits all the time, all yeah. the time. Um, and I ultimately was like, Lord, I do not have the self-control to like do it. And I wasn't even like working, you know, I was it was the weird like brain thing where you're like, I'm working, but you're just like scrolling or whatever. Yep. Oh, I use that excuse all the time. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not working. Yeah. And I was like, I love my girls so much. Like I I didn't get it until um Juliet was, I don't know three months. And granted, a lot of what I do is like passion projects, very part-time stuff. So it works for us. But um, yeah, I like had this sleeping newborn on me and I'm like, why am I looking at someone else's like 
that house that I've never met before. Like this is does not matter for the sake of inspiration. It's so true. And then you just get stuck in like the comparison hole and that just yes. does not go to good places. No, not at all. Okay. So now you have two kids. What has that jump looked like for you guys? Um, okay. So with one kid, especially when she was, uh, before she was able to, um, crawl, I multitasked a lot. Like I would have her literally what you're doing right now. Like I would like sit there. I would be on meetings. I would do coaching calls with her in my lap. Like that's just how I operated. Um, uh-huh. once, once she got old enough where it was a little bit harder to like actively work and like watch her, like especially like two years old, that that's a little harder because it's like, you know, she needs full attention. Like she needs someone to watch her. Um, yeah. I mean, you she can self-play for only so long. Um, and so, but that also co- co- co-aligned? No correlated, whatever, (laughs) with Andrew getting out of the Coast Guard. So kind of how we operate it now is he operates a little bit more time as like full-time parent, full-time dad. Um, And like we occasionally have Eloise go to a daycare like for like three hours at a time to give Andrew some time. Now that we have two, it it is a little bit more of a balance, um, I will say. However, I'm just like so blessed and so lucky that Andrew – loves what he does um, and and is willing to watch the girls because it it, it, it frees me. In fr- <laughs> Words are hard today. I can't even talk. Um, <laughs> but it frees me up to then just like work in my business and then actually like when I'm on my business, I'm focusing on my business. And when I'm in motherhood mode, I'm in motherhood mode. So I, I do less multitasking now and I do like a little bit more of just like full like focusing on one and then focusing on the other. Cause I think the more that you have and the older they get, I think it's a little bit harder to like, if I were watching both of them and also trying to like do a podcast episode, but also trying to like, like write a blog post or or be on a team meeting. It's just like, there's too much going on now. Oh, I literally can't imagine. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I can't even imagine what that feels like, how much your productivity in certain ways has like increased. And I just love that like you guys have been able to find what works best for your family. And I know that my husband just graduated in December with a master's in marriage and family therapy, but definitely his dream is to like be able to do counseling and stuff like part-time and then to like homeschool and be involved in that way. And then give me some time to do whatever I need to do. Um, I feel like breastfeeding just makes it like complicated. Juliet could definitely have more solids than she does, but I'm still like, just not be good to leave her with someone while I'm like nursing, you know? Yep. I feel that. Potentially not so great. (laughs) Okay. So I just love that I get to chat with you and I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But before we started recording, I hinted at the fact that we both had VBACs and I just want to hear like super quickly, what was kind of like the highlight of your VBAC experience? I know, I think, do you have a podcast episode with your birth story situation? I don't. So this, you're getting exclusive <gasps> stuff exclusive right here. Exclusive Lindsay Roman content. Somebody, wow. somebody literally just asked like a few days ago if I, where like my blog post for Annalise's birth story is. And I was like, oh, whoopsies. I did not do that. Um, so very brief. If anybody doesn't know my story with Eloise, my first daughter, I had a C-section, but my intention with her was to have a home birth. Um, and there's a whole lot that goes into there. And I do have a blog on Eloise's birth story that's in two parts because it's so long, um, mainly because I went to about 43 weeks with Eloise. And everyone's like, how did you do that? Why did you not get induced? Well, if you're having a home birth, you're not operating in the hospital. You're operating with a midwife. And so we were very like making sure to monitor like the position, monitor the placenta. Like we monitored everything. She was in a great spot. Girlfriend just wasn't ready to come yet. And there was just Mm -hmm. a lot of like family stress stuff going on during that time that I really, truly think like prolonged her not coming because you're not going to go into labor when you're like stressed and just like have tension in your life, right? Um, Right. Yeah. Your body's like, it's not safe or whatever, right? Right, right. So I, I, we had a cutoff date where we were like, okay, on this day, like on, on the day that it turned to like 43 weeks, we were like, okay, we're going to go into the hospital to get induced. Well, that evening before we went to like a fancy steak dinner and we were like, we're just going to go out with a bang. Like if we're going to go get induced tomorrow, this is the last time we will ever have a date with no children and no babysitter fee ever. Okay, let's go. Um, And while we were at dinner, like basically labor started. However, labor took like four days and I was 
I'm not kidding. And maybe like people wouldn't consider the beginning labor, but like I do because it's whenever contractions start and they like are relatively close apart, I'm like, nope, I'm in labor. I know it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it took four days. And by the end of the fourth day, I was like exhausted. And I had, I went to 10 centimeters at home. I uh, like had a water birth. My water popped or what's that? What's that called? <laughs> My <Bro>. water broke. <laughs> My water popped. Oh my gosh. Um, so I, it feels weird because I almost had like a full home birth, but when it came time to push, like I just never had any urge to push whatsoever. Um, and wow. I just, I truly think she wasn't, she was really big at that point, at least for my yeah. body. She was only like eight pounds, but I'm like a very petite frame. Um, so I think she was just genuinely like so big and she wasn't like down and engaged in the pelvis, I think enough. So like, yeah. even though I was, I was at 10 centimeters, I wasn't like, I didn't feel any urge to push and I didn't understand because this was my first baby and I didn't understand like what that would feel like. Right. And you so my midwife was like, that too. right. She was like, push. And I was like, but that she's, cause I had always heard that like, you will know when like, it feels like you should push. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Nothing's changed other than intense pain. Um, yeah. And so at that point I was like at my wits. So we went to the hospital cause I was like, I'm done. Give it like, I need an epidural. So we went, got an epidural. It, that still was like on an epidural for like 12 more hours. Nothing happened. And like, obviously like there's a whole domino of stuff at the hospital with, with interjections and then like, you know, leading it, it, it's like everything that happened that we were afraid of happened. It's like, so it, it ended up in a C-section. Um, yeah. and so that was Eloise's story. And I, I got over it, but I was always just like, God, I, I felt like I didn't get what I wanted in the sense of like, I wanted a home birth. I wanted like that experience and I got the exact opposite. So with Annalise, we had the decision. We were like, okay, do we want to try to do a home birth? And I think there was a part of me that was fearful because I was like, I don't want to be another like attempt at a home birth and then fail, quote unquote, go to the hospital, which it's not really failure, but like, that's how you feel as a woman. Yeah. And yeah. So we, we decided to do a hospital birth this time. However, I, I chose a midwife that I really truly trusted. And I was like, I want a VBAC. Like, I want you to do every single thing you can possibly to keep me out of the OR. Like I want a VBAC. Uh-huh. Because that affects like, I don't know if you guys want like more kids too, but you know, like the statistics yes. and everything that affects that as well. Well, oh, I could go off on this for days. Uh, yeah, no, if you have if you have a C-section, they basically, if you if it's up to the doctors, they are going to dictate you always having a C-section. They're going to schedule out. And I told, when you have a VBAC, at least at our hospital that we went to, they make you have at least one of your prenatal appointments with a, with a surgeon or like a doctor versus your midwife, because just in case, like that's how they say it. And so when I had that appointment, she was just like, so um, are you sure you want to be back? And I was like, mm, yep pretty, pretty dang sure. And she was like, well, cause it's, we can totally schedule your C-section. And I was like, listen, I respect you as uh, you have the job that you do, whatever. But I was like, I potentially want like four to five children. If I, if my second one is a C-section, like I'm, I'm stuck with having all of those be C-section babies. And right. she was like, look, she was like, I get it. She was like, but there, and then she was trying to encourage me. She was like, I have had moms who've had like seven C-sections. And I was like, you know what? Good for them. But I would like to not have my like abdomen cut open seven times. So no, thank you. I would like a VBAC. And she literally even told me, she was like, you have about a 49% chance of success. And I was 49%. like, nine percent. Where did like, you pull that from? You. Just like my story. I don't even know. Literally, I don't know. I think my height, she was looking at my height. She was looking at everything. And I was like, well, cool, whatever. So anyways, I'm just so glad that my midwife did not have the uh, same mindset as that doctor. So with Annalise, we, I did all the things, you know, the raspberry leaf tea, whatever. I ate the dates. I did all the things. Um, I went into labor on, well, th this is also another God thing. I had a miscarriage in between my two girls. So I had a miscarriage in between Eloise and Annalise and I miscarried on October 3rd, 2020. And Annalise's due date was October 3rd. And so that in and of itself was like such a God thing. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And so I, part of me, like leading up to her due date, I was like, God, I want to go into late. Like I want to have her on October 3rd. Cause that like, what a redemption story that would be. And oh my gosh, like, I think early labor started on October 2nd and I was like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Yes. And then obviously I'm just a slow laborer clearly. Um, and so I labored all day on October 3rd. Um, and like my midwife was so incredible. Like it was going slow. We were walking the halls of the, of the, what is it called? The hospital. Um, she ended up popping my water bag, which I know is like sometimes it is a form of, of intervention, but we were trying to like move things along as 
easily as we could. Um, and so what happened was I, I ended up getting an epidural because I was like, I thought I was at like a 10 and I was at a six and I was like, nope. Okay. But like, that was even a big decision because we were like, well, that's when it all went south last time is when we went to the hospital. Well, we were already, already in a hospital, but it went south when we were like, okay, we're getting an epidural. That's what happened last time. So we get got an epidural, but my midwife this time was so great. She kept me moving, which I didn't actually know that you could do with an epidural, but like I could still kind of move. I got on hands and knees. We no like did way. different positions. Yeah. they And with Eloise, when they got an epidural, like I just laid there the whole time. Well, and they also gave me the lowest dose of epidural, which I, I've heard from different people that like that can't happen, but I, I mean, that's what they did. That's what the anesthesiologist told me is like, I'm giving you a low dose so it you can still kind of move. Um, and I think my midwife told him to do that. But regardless, it was able, like, we were able to move, get on all fours, like, continually moving, which I think really, truly helped her, like, get low and engage. And so my favorite part of my entire VBAC story is I'm, like, basically pushing. And, like, I can feel it this time. Like, I, I understood, like, what at this point in time, like, it felt like, whereas, like, I couldn't feel that with Eloise because I just, she was never low enough. And yeah. I kept pushing. I pushed for, like, an hour and a half. It was so long. Um, but I remember, like asking my midwife, I was like, are we like past like the point that, that we're going to go to the OR? Is there any chance that we're like, okay, nope, we got to go to the OR. And she's like, she's like, I'm about to get my coat on and gloves on. Like I'm about to catch your, your daughter. Like, no, you're, we're not going to the OR. You're getting a V back. And there was just like such like, like elation in that moment of just being like, oh wow, I don't have to have another C-section. Like I'm doing the thing. I'm doing it. So it was just like, such like crossing I, this threshold. Yes, yes. Wow. I took like 10 minutes to tell that story, but it was it was such a cool experience and a redeeming experience. Um yeah. just like after Eloise, I believed that my body like was incapable of having children vaginally, which is just not true. Um it was uh it was cool. It was really it was really redeeming. Thank you so much for just your willingness to share that story with us. I know that we get a lot of requests for um, more birth stories, so thank you. And also, I just love, yeah, hearing how the Lord like really saw you in um, your past experience. And I feel like one of the coolest things that I like thinking about, especially with like birth stories, because I had a C-section with my first, so I was like pretty traumatic, and then I got to have a home be back with Juliet, which was its own thing because that was a fourth degree tear. So that was interesting oh, as man. well. Um, but I was still like, I don't even care. Like we had the be back, you know, which is amazing. But I just love thinking about like, I don't know what your experience was with your family, but birth was like not something I was an only child. Like I have oh, no, me too. no way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So like, no siblings, just, I don't know. There was the one birth, obviously. I didn't know anything about birth. It just, I didn't have a big extended family at all. And that's fine. I'm not necessarily like upset at that, but I just know that there was so much like unknown going into motherhood and specifically birth, which is like a huge thing in any woman's life. And I don't know, I'm like trying to celebrate my experiences as like, Lord, I want to be this like wise, godly matriarch that can like tell my daughters and granddaughters about like my wide range of birth experiences. And hopefully he will use those stories, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, something that I I think is really cool. So I mentioned Sina on this podcast. I keep mentioning her before, but we actually traded each other's like, like photographed each other's births. Uh, She photographed Eloise's, which was not a fair trade because she was at my house for like four days and in the hospital for, you know, at the end of that. And I photographed hers, which was at like 10 minutes. I'm exaggerating. It was like 30 minutes long at night. Like Eric, her husband called me in the middle of the night. And by the time I got there, like her son Thatcher came in like two minutes. So it was a very unfair trade, but it just like it something that I really like that she's done with all of her kids that she has is having kids and having her older kids watch because she does home births and just like incorporating that process into into their knowledge and just like sharing, hey, this is normal. This is a part of life, especially with her girls that like just to prepare them for birth in that way where they get to see it and just like see that it's just a beautiful godly thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like God designed our bodies to do this and it yeah. can be like a normal, beautiful thing. It's so wild to me to think that like 
so many past generations had like all the grandmas and aunties and moms and cousins and sisters around experiencing that. And now it's like, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how like culture views children and fertility and birth as like a problem to solve and just how like not true that is, you know? Mm, So true. So yeah, I love that you were able to share that experience with us. Thank you so much. So of course. (laughs) Um, So one last question before we wrap up. Um, I would just love to hear, like, I know that you kind of just made this big transition. You obviously alluded to like wanting to have more kids and your business is growing and you have your conference that's happening next week, which I'm just so excited for you and Evie and all that the Lord is going to do in that. But I just want to hear kind of like, what are some dreams, like whether that's short-term or long-term that the Lord has been like stirring up or building? What's like, I guess what's next for you? Ooh, um, I well, as our children grow, we definitely want to homeschool. And I think depending on how that rolls out, either Andrew might spearhead that and then me help, or or you know, we'll depend. Well, it depends on obviously what I'm doing with work at that time, but we really want to homeschool. That's a dream that we have. Um, and then professionally, I would love to get into more speaking, and then I would love to write a book or like multiple books. I think that's kind of the route that I would love to take in the future. Uh, I just need to like get going on that and actually like start writing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know you're a reader too, right? Have you done like book club stuff before? Yes. I love reading. I just, I I love books in general. And I just, I feel like the Lord putting on on my heart to write books. I just, that's like the kind of the next big dream that I want to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I know so many of your, I guess, listeners and audience would be all in. We are just going to wrap up. I'm so thankful that you have come on today. I feel like I'm kind of taking a deep breath because as you saw, not everyone else saw, um, but I was like juggling, bouncing Juliet the whole time and now she's asleep. So I'm like, ah, breathing. You're literally, well, you're doing the thing. You are like <laughs> showcasing what we're talking about, which is like balancing motherhood and and, and a career uh, in some way. So yeah, yes. you're rocking it. Thank you. You are so kind. Lindsay, what are three things that you have been loving lately? These can be any three random things. Oh, oh, okay. I love Ben Rector's new album, The Joy of Music. Yeah, Jamming on that so much. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, okay. You're putting me on the spot here. Ooh, what What else? What have I been Wait, loving? is okay. the daughter's song on that album? Yes, it is. And it wrecks me every time. Called, but yes, it I is. Just, I love it. I know. It's like, he's like, I got a daughter now. Okay, I won't sing it. You won't hear me sing. Okay, anyways, um, <laughs> I love that. I've been, uh, what book did I just read that I really loved? I really loved, um, oh shoot, what was it called? It was called Know My Name by Chanel Miller. She's actually the woman that got raped by Brock Turner in like 2015 on the Stanford. Anyways, it's like her memoir. Wow. It's incredible. It's incredible. So that's a book that's really spoke to my heart. Just it's, it's not a Christian book necessarily, but like it's, it's just wrecks you. Um, yeah. And then what's another one? Uh, did like things like books or movies or just like anything? Food. You're, I'm loving your house. I've loved seeing that whole like interior. That's true. I, I love interior design. Yes, my master bathroom is literally my favorite. It has like terracotta, like hexagon uh, tile. And I'm just obsessed with like that Southwestern vibe. So yes, that's my third one is my master bathroom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm sure you have like multiple excuses now to like spend so much time getting ready. What a like nice spot. It really, it's it's so awesome. So yes, those are the three things. (laughs) That's so good. I love that. How can we as a community be praying for you? Oh, thank you so much. Um, praying for just our season. Our season is like behind the scenes a little bit tough right now, just uh, leaning on the Lord for our provision and just like having faith. Like I obviously we always have to have faith, but like just for things that are happening in our lives, just like a lot of transition potentially, there's just a lot of reasons to lean on the Lord. So if you guys could just pray for just so much uh, faith and and just encouragement that um, – I would trust in the Lord, even when I don't necessarily see what I'm like praying for, which is obviously, you know, faith. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We would love to partner with you in praying for that. And where can people find you and connect? Absolutely. Well, my website is lindsayroman.com. You can either, I mean, professionally, you can hire me for a photography or you can hire me for business coaching. But the biggest place that you can check me out is at Mrs. Lindsay Roman on Instagram. That's where I hang out most. That's where the party's happening. That's where you'll see me dancing and being a goofball and talking about motherhood and parenting. 
Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was such an honor. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Paige. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I am so grateful you decided to join us today, and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. If you like today's show, I would love to encourage you to share it with a girlfriend. You can also screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, which will help more like-minded women find our show. Speaking of Instagram, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and follow us? Because guys, I promise we're super fun. (laughs) We share content there throughout the week about the show, and it's a great way to connect with fellow listeners and keep up with the guests that you might have heard. We also do fun quarterly giveaways and just share inspiring content. If you're looking for more connection, you can also join our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes of every episode. There are weekly episode discussions, and it's a great way to find friends and listeners who might be in your area. And finally, if you'd like to support us, you can please write a review on iTunes because this will help boost our show so other like-minded women can find it. Your support means so much to me, you guys. Thank you again for being here. So grateful for you. We'll see you next week for another episode.